listening to the Northside Christian Church Sermon Podcast. These teachings are recorded at our weekly Sunday morning gatherings in Springfield, Missouri. For more about our church, service times, and how to connect, visit northsidechristianchurch.net. Side. It's a joy to be with you all today. It's actually a joy to have our high school students in uh, with us today uh, as we kind of said, come on down to this end of the building. And so I'm sorry, but you get to hear me again. Um, so I am the high school minister here at Northside, and my name is Kevin, if we haven't had the opportunity to meet. And I have a special request uh, for all of you in this room, all of you listening online. I want to ask for you to pray uh, for Maranatha Bible Camp that we're going to be going to in 28 days. So in 28 days, we will leave for high school camp. And I just know that God uses that time in huge ways in the lives of students. I was reminded of it actually last week uh, when we had a sophomore girl uh, give a portion of her story in our service. If you're just joining us, we've been in a series that's actually focused on hope in some of the toughest moments of life. And uh, we started the series off by focusing on hope in the face of death. We talked about hope in the face of weariness the following week. And then we talked about hope in the face of suicide last week. And I would really encourage you uh, to listen to that message if you were not uh, here last week or didn't uh, watch online. Because if statistics are correct, probably you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide. And I think it helps equip you from a spiritual perspective to give hope in those moments. But we have, in the high school service, been on the same journey that you all have been on, preaching through the same topics and texts, just from the perspective of a high schooler. And we had a sophomore girl come up and give her story last week about when she was dealing with suicidal thoughts as an eighth grader. And she actually expressed some of those thoughts to a friend, and that friend then contacted uh, her parents. Her parents then got her help, helped her checked into a facility uh, to work through some of those negative emotions and negative thoughts. And as a sophomore now, she's looking back on her eighth grade self, and she talked about how in the moment... I really couldn't see God working in my story, in the moment of pain, the moment of hurt, the suffering that I had in that moment, until two months later, she went to camp. And she said, I wasn't prepared for how much the camp was going to change my life. She shared her story with some of our leaders. Uh, She shared her story with some other students, and she started to see how God was using her story to actually help others with a similar struggle. And this is just one of so many stories that I could tell you about how God uses camp to change lives. So if you're a high school student in this room, I want to tell you, come to camp with us. Even if you don't know anybody, even if you're like on the fence of like, I'm not sure if what that's all about. I'm just telling you, God will use it in your life. When you take a week and just say, hey, Lord, I want to listen to what you want to speak to me in my life. God will use that. If you're a parent of a high school student, uh, we want you to go to camp with us. Now, I know teens in this room, you're like, hold up, Kevin. All right. You almost had me, but then you said that. So I'm backing out now. We can create appropriate distance, all right, that happens throughout the course of camp. But if you are a parent of, of a high schooler, go to camp with us. There's so much power in experiencing life change together with you and your student that when they hear God speaking to them and you're there in that moment, Uh, Man, that is a powerful, powerful time. 
If you're a, a volunteer at, at Northside, I want to tell you, go to camp. You will spend more time with the kids that you serve in ministry at camp than you will in a year of people coming to one hour of church on Sunday mornings. And your relationship with the kids that you serve will grow in huge ways. Uh, so sign up for camp. Northsidechristianchurch.net slash camp is how you can sign up. It's the last day to get this sweet t-shirt uh, that you can have. Uh, so make sure that you do that today. And we want as many people as possible to go to camp with us because we want every person to experience the life-changing hope of Jesus. And that's what we're talking about today. Hope in Jesus. Before we get to the good news, I feel like there's some bad news that we really have to wrestle with when we talk about hope. In fact, I kind of want to phrase it this way. How do you live with hope in a hopelessly broken world? How do you maintain hope with so much suffering just all around you? Uh, Maybe let me give you some examples. How do you have hope? When your spouse comes to you and says those words that, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. How do you have hope when your child is making one poor decision after another and you had anticipated or or expected their life to go one way and yet now you're realizing they're going a very different way right now? How do you have hope when the doctor comes in and says, it's not good news. The cancer has spread and your life is going to end. How do you have hope when you've worked so hard to be on the varsity team that you have dreams to compete, dreams to get a scholarship, but then you get an injury and you're out for the season? How do you maintain hope? How do you have hope in a broken world that leaves us hopeless? Now, I want to make sure we're on the same page of what we're talking about when I say hope. Because oftentimes uh, people refer to hope as wishful thinking. But hope is actually something that's a little bit more confident, and it's actually rooted or built upon someone. So I would define hope this way. Hope is an expectation or a desire for the future built upon something or someone. And like I said, I intentionally use this word built upon because hope comes from somewhere. It comes from something. It comes from someone in our lives. When we're young, we typically put our hope in our parents, And we trust them to care for us or to raise us. And as we get older, we start to put our hope in other things. Uh, Maybe you put your hope in your career or your abilities. Or you can build your hope upon your relationships. You can build your hope uh, upon your retirement account or your wealth. You can build your hope in your looks. Or maybe you build your hope on how many people follow you. The hope that you have right now for the future is built upon something or someone. I tend to think of it like the foundation of a building. No one thinks about the foundation of a building. It's this unseen part that really holds everything else up. Like if you're shopping for a house, no one walks in and is like, did you see that foundation? That was amazing. Let's, let's buy it right now, all right? Like, no one puts an offer on a house for those things. They're looking at the open concept or the beautiful kitchen or the, I don't know, the shiplap walls. I, I don't know. They're looking at those kind of things to say, this is why we should buy this house. But the foundation is still there. It is what holds up the rest of the house. But it's the farthest thing from your mind until it begins to fail. And then it's all you can think about. 
This is exactly what happened on June 24th, 2021 at 1.20 a.m. The United States experienced one of the worst building collapses in history. There was a 12-story condo beachfront building in, in the Miami suburb of Surfside that partially collapsed. And because the collapse happened in the middle of the night, most of the residents were actually there, and they were sleeping in their beds. Only three survived the initial collapse, and no other survivors were found, even after rescue workers labored for two weeks, 24 hours a day, digging through 40-foot-high pile of rubble. About three dozen people were able to escape the uncollapsed uh, portion of the building, but there were a total of 98 deaths. It was a horrible, horrible disaster. And everyone wanted to know, why did it collapse? Well, the Miami Herald actually did a, um, a lot of investigative reporting in it. They won some awards for their reporting. And they found that a structural column or a, a concrete slab beneath the pool deck uh, likely gave way, it causing the deck to collapse into the garage below. This formed a crater beneath the bulky midsection of the tower, which then completely caved in. They call it a progressive collapse, where one part gives way, and it leads to the destruction of another, and another, and another. And just as a building is built on a foundation, hope is built upon something or in someone. And you don't think about it until what you've built your hope on begins to fail. Let me give you some examples. We're not going to have children when we thought, we would have children. I'm 30 and single. I didn't see my life this way. I'm not going to be able to retire when I thought I was going to be able to retire. I thought I would have more years on this earth. When a crisis comes into our lives, when, when our lives don't turn out the way that we expected that they would, when we experience suffering, it shakes the foundation of our hope. And if your hope is built on anything, In this broken world, it will crumble underneath of you and just leaving you in a heap of rubble. Aren't you glad you came to church for this encouraging message today? (laughs) I'm really not trying to be Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. It's all hopeless. I'm not. If you haven't discovered it, eventually you will, that our world is broken. And anything that we put our hope in in this world will fail us. So it leads us back to the same question that we're wrestling with today. How do you have hope in a broken world that leaves us hopeless? Well, I'm thankful that God has given us an example. You see, in the Bible, we see example after example of everyday people who experience the brokenness of this world and yet have a confident and unshakable hope. Pain comes into their life, but they still have hope. Crisis comes into their life, but their hope remains. And it's because they chose to build their hope on the firm foundation of God and their relationship with him. And so today we're going to look at one example from Psalm 102. And the title of the psalm is like, it's a mouthful. Here's what it is. A prayer of an afflicted person who has grown weak and pours out a lament before the Lord. It could be shortened to, God, help me. I don't know what to do. I'm in trouble. All right. That's kind of what the psalmist is expressing in this moment. And the author wrote this prayer uh, after God's people were taken captive by a neighboring nation. And God had warned them, hey, if you don't turn from your ways, then I will send a neighboring nation to take you over and you will be pulled into exile. And this wasn't punishment, but this was to bring God's people back to him. 
And so they're taken into exile, and the author is crying out to God, both personally, but also for his people who are just suffering. And I realize that none of us are in the same situation. None of us are being taken over by another nation or anything along those lines. But I think we can identify with the emotions that this author has whenever our world just crumbles underneath us. Here's what he says. Well, here's what he prays. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me when I am in distress. Turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. And when we are in the midst of suffering, we want a quick answer. We want the pain to end. We want the suffering to end. He goes on to pray, For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud, and I'm reduced to skin and bones. Have you ever been around so much pain or in so much anguish that you just can't eat? That's where he's at. He's saying, I'm wasting away. He goes on to pray, I'm like a desert owl. Like an owl among the ruins, I lie awake. I've become like a bird alone on the roof. He can't sleep at night. He finds himself alone in misery. Have you been there? I know I have. I've had moments where I felt that. He goes goes on, all day long my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse for I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. People make fun of you. Ashes was a sign of grief for this author. And so you're on the edge of tears. You're grieving throughout your day. He goes on to say, because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. Sometimes we experience suffering by our own doing. And it happens when we sin. We experience the consequences of our own mistakes or bad habits or or hang-ups. And the author is actually facing God's discipline in this moment. And he says, it feels like God is against me. Now, as a parent, I know what this is like. Because there have been times where my kid will or kids will do something. And I'm like, hey, you need to have a consequence for this so that you learn how to love your brother or your sister the way that God wants you to love them. And they're like, you're against me. You know, like, like they, they just protest and or, there's no way I can't believe that you would do this, bring this into my life. And I'm trying to teach them a lesson in this moment. And that is what God is doing in this moment with the psalmist. He finishes by saying, my days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. In other words, just as a shadow is here and gone. He says, just like grass that's cut, withers, and is blown away, that's what my life feels like in this moment. Have you been there? Have you been to a place where you struggle to have hope because of the affliction and the pain that you're experiencing in life? And I think the reality is most of us have because we've been in this broken world, and we felt the sting of that in our lives. And this is kind of the bad news before the good news. We'll get to the good news here in in a few moments, but this is the bad news, that our world is broken, and anything that we put our hope in in this world will crumble underneath us. It won't hold the weight of the hope that we want to have. And some of you don't believe me. Like, some of you are consciously building your hope in other things. 
Like, well, if I'm smart enough or if I invest wisely enough or if I grow my own ability and skill, if I make smart decisions, then I can avoid the brokenness of this world. But here's the truth. Even Jesus, the best man who ever lived, experienced the pain and the brokenness of this world. And if anyone could have avoided pain, it would have been Jesus. I mean, throughout his entire life, he faced persecution, hatred, beatings. He died a criminal's death on a cross. And if Jesus couldn't escape the brokenness of this world, don't fool yourself into thinking that you can escape it. So how do we have hope in a hopeless world? Well, the author of this psalm does something that's super shocking, at least to me. He, he moves from utter despair that I'm wasting away. My bones feel like fire. I, I can barely move on in life. And then he starts talking about a confident, unshakable hope. He moves from anxiety to peace. His tone shifts from uncertainty to confidence. And he reminds himself that his hope is built on a relationship with God. Here's what he says. He says, but you, Lord... You sit enthroned forever. Your renown endures through all generations. And the author is looking past his affliction to a God who is still reigning forever. In other words, to God who is still on his throne. And I want to encourage you to build your hope on God. Because God forever reigns over all, even when our world is hopelessly broken. When you're in the midst of pain and hurt, it is so difficult to see past your pain, to see God on his throne. But the truth is, there's no part of our lives that is not under God's control. God has been reigning, is reigning, and will reign forever. Now, I want to be clear about this. This doesn't mean that God is the cause of your suffering. In fact, Scripture actually reveals five primary reasons for suffering in this world that we're going to go through, but only one of those comes from God. And here's why this is important. Some of you in this room, just like some people I talked to after the 9 o'clock service, some of you in this room have been told the reason for your suffering is from God. And you look at God and you think, why would God do that to me? Why would God bring this into my life? And the reality is the suffering that you're experiencing may not be from him, but as a result of the brokenness of our world. And so the primary reasons we experience suffering, we live in a fallen world. When sin entered the world, it broke the world, and the righteous and the unrighteous experience a fallen world. So we have things like tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes. We experience things like cancer and diseases because the world is broken and in need of healing. We experience suffering because of our own sin. Sometimes we lead ourselves to a place of suffering. Many times in my conversations with people who have been addicted to substances in the past, they talk about how it drives away all their significant relationships because they're just chasing after the next fix. Oftentimes, because of our own sin, it can lead us to a place of suffering. We can also experience suffering because of someone else's sin, because of what someone else did or didn't do in our lives. You know, a father that doesn't model God's heart for his children it has a huge impact in the life of that child as they grow up. I'm reminded of a conversation that Tony Blair, who was the, um, uh, the prime minister of the UK for, for a while, he was having with his longtime press secretary, Alistair Campbell. And uh, Campbell remembers Blair after a school shooting in Scotland where a gunman killed 16 children and a teacher. And Campbell asked Blair this very pointed question. He said, what does your God make of this? And Blair replied, just because... Man is bad, 
it does not mean that God is not good. Sometimes the suffering we experience is from the sin of others. Number four is the enemy. We have an enemy, and we're told the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have an enemy that can bring uh, suffering into our lives. And number five is God's discipline. Hebrews um, 12.6 says the Lord disciplines those that he loves. There are some instances of suffering that God brings upon us not to punish us, but actually to bring us back to him. But regardless, for the reason of our suffering, God is still reigning. And when he becomes our source of hope, no matter where our suffering comes from, we put our trust in him, even when our lives just spin out of control. The author goes on to pray this. He says, you will arise, talking to God, God, you will arise and have compassion on Zion. For it is time to show favor to her. The appointed time has come, for her stones are dear to your servants. Her very dust moves them to pity. The nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will revere your glory. For the Lord will rebuild Zion and appear in his glory. He will respond to the prayer of the destitute. He will not despise their plea. Do you hear what he's doing? The hope that's coming into his voice. He recognizes God on his throne. He focuses less on the pain that he's experiencing and saying, God, open my eyes to see what you are doing, how you are in this. And over and over again, he starts to say, God, you will. He says, you will have compassion on us, Lord. God, the nations will praise your name. You will bring your people back. You will respond to our prayer. You will hear our plea. The author is leaning into the promises of God to bring hope into his life. Even though they're taken over by a neighboring country, the author is saying, God, I know that you will be faithful to us. See, God had sent prophets before they were taken into exile that told them that I will bring you back and I will rebuild what, what what has been taken away. And the author is placing his trust in God's faithfulness. See, you can build your hope on God. It will not fail us. It will not disappoint us because God is faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. See, God is faithful to us in our suffering. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Even when we have left him time and time again in our sin, even in the moments when we cry out, God, I don't see you. God, you're not here. God, I'm angry at you. God, I'm disappointed in you. God is faithful to us and he uses our suffering to point us back to him. Now, here's what I know. There are people in this room who are experiencing real suffering in their lives. Where it's, it's you're going through some of the hardest moments in your life right now. And I don't, I'm not trying to minimize your pain. Because I recognize there are deep hurts. But I also want to recognize that God is faithful to us even when we suffer. He uses it in our lives. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, not everything comes from God, but he uses it. He's faithful to us even when we suffer. I'm really excited for this fall, for what our 12th grade students are going to be going through in their life groups. We do life groups on Sunday nights where we split students up by grade and by gender. And uh, we, we have a good time together, we have a fun time together, but we also dive deep into God's word together. 
And this fall, our high school students are going to be going through a book called Real Life Theology. It's by Daniel McCoy and Andrew Jitt. And in it, they talk about five reasons why suffering actually points us to God. He says this. It says, if we never suffered, we would not hate evil. Like, think about it. Without suffering, people could do as much evil as they wanted, but they would never suffer the consequences for it. No one would ever see the ugliness of evil, so no one would actually hate it. If we never suffered, we would never appreciate goodness. Without suffering, everything good that happens to us, we would just expect. We would never thank God for the blessing that he gives us because we'd figure that's the way it's supposed to be. And so gratitude, which is the fuel for so much virtue, we would have trouble taking root within us. If we never suffered, we would never need God. We would never feel the need to have a relationship with him. We'd never need to seek him. We'd never need to be right with him. We would remain blissfully but hopelessly lost. If we never suffered, we would never hope for heaven. We would never hope for the day that God would come and rescue us. Rather, we would naturally just hope to stay on this earth content with this empty and self-absorbed life. If we never suffered, we would never grow. How do you become a loving person? Well, it's not by hanging out with people who are loving people. You grow through the challenge of suffering in this world. In fact, you grow in courage only through having to face fear. You grow in patience through being in frustrating situations. You grow in joy through tough circumstances. You grow in self-control by being tempted. You grow in peace when you have your world just go crazy. You grow in grace through experiencing brokenness. And here's what happens. Many people will follow Jesus until they experience the pain of suffering in this world. And then they say, well, this must not be the right path. You see, suffering is part of our broken world for both those who follow Jesus and those who do not. There is not a path in this world that you can go on without pain and suffering. And so scripture actually tells us as believers to expect it. First uh, Peter 4.12 says, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you or test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. If Jesus suffered in this world, we will too. But here's the difference. Faithful followers of Jesus, they have trained their minds to think past their pain and lean into the faithfulness of God. So instead of asking why, they tend to ask God, how are you going to use this for good and for your glory? God, how are you going to use this in my life? And I promise you that God will answer that prayer. The author finishes this psalm by talking about how when everything else is gone, God is the only one who remains. He says this. He says, In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence, and their descendants will be established before you. He says, one day, this broken world that we're all experiencing, the broken life that we all have, will go away. It will wear out like old clothes. It reminds me of a story not too long ago when I was with my dad. 
and uh, my dad, we were walking along, and he had dropped something, and he bent down to pick it up. And when he did, his jeans just gave way. They couldn't hold anymore, just right up the back, right? And he stood up, and I said, Dad, I think you tore your pants. And he goes, well, they're older than you, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) And, you know, that illustration of just like, just like old clothes that are ripped and torn and faded out. That is how God will discard this broken world. Like, just as it's easy enough for us to throw a pair of jeans in the trash, God is going to take this broken world and he's going to throw it off. And the only thing that remains is God and your relationship with him. That's it. So build your hope on God. It will not fail you. It does not, it will not ever disappoint you. Because God reigns over all, even when our world's hopelessly broken. God is forever faithful to us, even when we're not faithful to him. But God also remains even after this world ends. Here's what that means for you. It means that the pain that you are going through right now will end. It will not go on forever. The suffering that you're experiencing right now will one day be in the past because God promises to return one day. And when that happens, he will deal with the brokenness of this world. And we're told on that day that there will be no more suffering, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more fear, no more stress, no more depression, no more sleepless nights, no more anxiety. There's no more abuse, no more headaches. There's no more heartaches, no more divorce, no more racism, no more violence, no more cancer, no more hunger. There's no more pain. Heaven is the presence of everything that is good and the absence of everything that is evil. And what remains is God and our relationship with him. So if you don't have a relationship with God, I want you to know today that he wants one with you. That he is reaching out to you. The last part of this psalm is actually quoted again in the New Testament. It's in Hebrews chapter 1, and it's actually applied to Jesus. And the author of Hebrews tells us that that. Just as the psalmist was saying, God, you've laid the foundations of earth, he tells us that Jesus was the one who laid the foundations of the earth. Jesus is the one who remained because Jesus is God. And if you want a hope that will not fail you, it starts with Jesus. He is the one that you build upon. Jesus even tells us this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 and 25. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. When you believe in Jesus and you make him the source of your hope, it is like building your life on a rock that will not fall. And when you face the brokenness of this world, when you face the suffering that comes into your life, you can grip firmly to Jesus because that hope won't fall. So I want to invite you to build your hope on Jesus. For some of you today, if you'd like to take that step, I will be in the decision point area right over here. And I want to invite you to come and talk with me and I want to help you take that step of faith. 
If you're watching online today, right now, I want to invite you to text DECISION to 417-233-1200. And we want to help take steps with you, follow up with you, to surrender to Jesus, to believe in Him, to repent in Him, and to be baptized into His name. And to discover the hope that actually only comes from Him. I realize today that there are people in this room that you're going through some of life's just hardest struggles right now. Maybe you're facing a hard time in your family or you're struggling in school or maybe you feel all alone or your life hasn't turned out the way that you really expected it to turn. And maybe what you built your hope on just came crashing down all around you. Here's what I want to encourage you to do today. Sometimes we have a hard time seeing past our pain and our suffering. And we need other people to pray God's hope over us. And so there are some prayer people on the sides of the room right here wearing those shirts saying, how can I pray for you on this side and this side over here? And I want to encourage you to go to them. Don't sit in your chair. You don't have to hold on to this struggle by yourself. God has given us each other. And the times in my life when I faced pain, when I faced hardship, when I faced hurt, I needed the church to show up in my life, to pray over me and care for me, to point me towards the hope that I have in Jesus. Because sometimes the pain was just too much that I couldn't see past what I was dealing with in that moment. And I want to encourage you to go to these people Go to them, let them pray over you and bring the hope of God into your life. I was reminded of this a couple weeks ago. We had a couple of uh, teenage girls that really felt the call uh, in their life to be a disciple maker. Uh, It's not only be a disciple of Jesus, but help other people become a disciple of Jesus. And they had gone to some of our disciple training classes. And part of what they wanted to do was to go on a prayer walk. And on a prayer walk, what you do is you just kind of go out in the community and you, you set aside your time and you say, okay, Lord, I, I'm here. I want to be used by you. Bring people to me or help me encounter people that I can appoint uh, towards you. And so these two teenage girls go walking through the park at Doling. They say, okay, Lord, I just want you to work in this moment. And they came across a, a family. This family had lost their child in a car accident the day before. So fresh. And these girls prayed for this family. Now, I can't help but believe that God was sending them there in that moment to let this family know that God loves you and cares for you. God has not forgot you in your suffering, that God is faithful to you, that God is still reigning on his throne. And for some of you, you need that in your life right now. And there are people on the sides of this room that want to bring that hope into your life, to pray over you in that way. And so let them. It's okay to express your emotions to them, to to let them care for you and pray over you. God has called his church to bring the hope of Jesus into this broken world. And for some of you in this room, maybe you've come to the place where you've said, I want to make Northside my home because I want to be a person that brings that kind of hope here. If that is you today where you want to become a member of Northside, I'll be through these doors right here and I'd love the opportunity just to talk with you and to help you take steps in doing that. We also use the offerings that you give every single week 
uh, to bring hope into the lives of people. I just want you to know there are kids going to camp who can't afford it because of your generosity. And I've had the blessing of saying, hey, listen, uh, you want to go to camp? And they're like, yeah, but I really can't afford it. And I'm like, well, someone that God used has donated, and we want to bless you in that way. And just the weeping that happens in that moment, the care for them, it's huge. And so I want to invite you to put your hope in God. He is the one that will not fail you. He is the one that will not disappoint you. And I just want to pray that God will do this for us today, that we can trust in him and trust in his promises for the future. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. And we thank you so much for the life that you have given us through your son, Jesus. God, we need hope. There's so much pain and so much hurt and so much suffering in this world that, God, we need to firmly plant our hope upon you. We need our hope built upon you, Lord, because the pain sometimes can be so overwhelming and so just hurting of our heart, Lord, that it's hard to see you. And so, Lord, raise our eyes today that in our distress we call out to you and you answer, God. God, you come through. You give us the hope for a future that is forever with you. Lord, we cry out to you today. It's in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning, Northside. Before you go, make sure you check in and let us know you were here. Text the word CHECK to 417-233-1200. If you want to respond to today's service, you can do that online through Decision Point. If you want to know more about baptism or becoming a member, you can request more info at northsidechristianchurch.net slash decision. This is also the place to find out about our life groups, find out what sort of service opportunities there are, or if you just need to get in touch with a minister. And if you're online, you probably use social media too. Make sure you're following along with Northside on our Facebook page, Instagram account, YouTube channel, or Twitter. We are glad that you chose to join us this morning. As we head out for the week, let's make sure we take the love of God with us. Take good care of each other, Northside.